Good afternoon. My name is Debbie. I'm a third year medical student at Loma Linda University and this is... My name is Allison Hislani and I'm a nurse at the Loma Linda Medical Center. We're just really thankful to have you guys here this afternoon um, to study God's Word with us and His plan for medicine and for medical evangelism. And I hope you guys are as excited as I am to be here. Um, we want to talk this afternoon about not just the how, but the why of medical evangelism. I don't know how many of you were here for Weston's talk, but he was talking about a similar topic as far as why we do what we do. We want to also look at practically what it looks like to blend medical and spiritual care and the calling that God has for some of us to go and be further trained in medical evangelism. So before we begin, I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. Please bow your heads with me. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your love, for your faithfulness to us, for the privilege of being your children and being able to share you with others. I just want to ask that you would speak through me now and Allison, that you'd put your words in our mouth, that you'd bring conviction to hurts here, that we wouldn't go away the same people, but that you would radically transform our lives and that you would make us medical evangelists to finish the work that you have on this earth. Please send your spirit now to be with us, to guide us, to make us like Jesus. Help everything that's seen and done to glorify Jesus. Amen. Amen. It was 8 a.m. on Sunday, November 28, 2010. Carlos Flores, an East Harlem man, was waiting for a subway train at a crowded East 103rd Street in downtown Manhattan. When a man next to him fell onto the train tracks, a train was coming. This man thought, what should I do? This man is on his tracks. He jumped down, rescued the man, and saved his life. Obviously, an event like this attracted a lot of attention. The New York Daily Times came and said, why did you do this for this man? You didn't even know him. And Mr. Flores explained. He said, I was thinking, you know, if this man gets hit, I won't be able to get to work. It's a Sunday, and it's a day I get one and a half times for my job. What? He didn't jump down because this was a person. It was because he wanted to earn money. And the question comes to us, not just what are we doing, but why are we doing it? Are we living the health message just so that we can feel good about ourselves and look good? Or are we doing it for the right reasons? The question comes to us, are we doing the health message for ourselves or really for God? And so that's something I want to study this morning, not just what we do, but why we do it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. In 1 Peter 2 9 we see the Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, 
that you should call forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We can see in Leviticus, God is speaking to, to Aaron, the, the priesthood of the Old Testament, but he's calling us now to be priests and to live a life sold out for God. So this is a message that can be applied to our lives. The Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. God is giving his people a message of temperance, not just in alcohol, but in the other areas of our health, how we sleep, what we eat, how much we eat, even of good food, how hard we work. It's easy to be intemperate even in ministry. God is calling us to take care of our bodies for a specific reason we can see later in this passage. The Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you. It's a message both for us to personally live the health message and for a, a message that would impact those around us, our families, our friends, our sphere of influence. What we do often has more impact on others than what we say. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. This is a message for God's people, those professing to go and worship him and serve him. It's a message of life or death, lest you die. This isn't a matter of insignificance. And we see later on in this verse, it tells us why it's a matter of eternal life or death. It's a message of love. God wants us to know him more. We can see that. It says, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. God wants us to have this beautiful gift of the health message so that we can be able to recognize holy from unholy. So that we can recognize sin. So that we can know what's right and wrong. So often we wonder, what should we do in our lives? But God's saying, I'm giving you this beautiful gift so you can have a clear mind to know my will. So you can make right decisions. So you can know me. It goes on, it says, you distinguish between holy and unholy, unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. God's giving us this beautiful message for the purpose so that we can know his will, so we can know right and wrong and know him more. So we can have a clear mind to hear his voice speaking to us. And as we live that in our personal lives, so that we can share that with those around us. The reason why we do the health message matters so much. It needs to be not for ourselves, but so that we can know God more. Another verse that ties along with that is Romans 12, 1 and 2, which I know many of you um, know by heart, and it's on your handout there as well. Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is um, Paul to the Romans. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what happens when we do that? That you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So once again, here in this verse, we see the purpose 
of the health message is so that we can discern holy and ho holy between between unholy and holy so that we can know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I know as young people, we often struggle about knowing God's will. I know that was a question that the panel was asked a lot this morning is how to know God's will for my life. And the answer is, is in here. When we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, here in this verse, we see all three dimensions of, of the human body. You know, God created us as multidimensional. We have a physical body as well as a spiritual soul and mentally as well. And that's why the greatest commandment Jesus says is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so we'll be talking about this concept of wholeness, of really treating not just the physical, not just the body, but the spiritual, which is actually even more important than the physical. So the first step in becoming a medical missionary or, or any medical evangelism evangelist is present your bodies a living sacrifice to understand and really live out the health message that God has given to us so that we can have the clear minds um, and a clear frontal lobe to discern and to hear God's voice speaking to our hearts. The second portion of our um, little talk this morning or this afternoon is after we realize the importance of the health message, um, what does it really look like in practice? And this is where we'll spend the majority of our time through different experiences and, and stories that we, we've had that God, have, God has allowed us to experience in our um, time in the medical field, our small time. And um, what better place to start than the life of Christ? And so Matthew 4, verse 23, and I think it's on your handout. Um, this is really key. What, I know we've all heard this verse before. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Did you see the threefold aspect of Christ's ministry here? What three things did he do? Teaching, preaching, and healing. One man, Jesus, did all three of these. And as we, I've studied this past week about medical missionary work, time and time again, so many quotes about the necessity of blending medical, a healing for the sick, as well as preaching the gospel and teaching as well. And so these lines are never, these different aspects of ministry are never to be divorced. Um, there's a quote that we'll read that talks exactly about that are never to be divided, but are to blend into one single ministry for the saving of souls and the advancing of God's kingdom. And so that first uh, quote we have, I can give you the lines, the blanks to fill in. It says, thus the Savior has bound together the work of preaching the truth and healing the sick, and we are never to divorce them. Christ blended ministry and healing and there is to be no more separation in our work than there was in his. There is to be no division between the medical missionary work and the gospel ministry. Medical missionary work is to be to the third angel's message as the right arm to the body. Both are to work in harmony, then the salvation of the Lord will be revealed. And so as I read this quote, I was just um, once again convicted of the need of this complete blend of medical missionary work and the gospel work. There's never to be a division between the two. Jesus was the greatest physician the world ever knew, Spirit of Prophecy says, and yet he combined with his healing work 
the imparting of soul-saving truth. So every time he healed, it was for a purpose of reaching their souls, and that is truly the purpose of medical missionary work. Um, did you know that during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to actual preaching? Because it's, it's meeting their physical needs. We learned Weston uh, mentioned that quote about um, Christ's method alone, we've all heard. Um, and it's really that Christ's method alone that will give true success, mingling with the people, ministering to their needs, showing them sympathy so that we can win their confidence and, and bid, them to, bid them to follow Jesus. And so um, when, you, when I think of the word blend, for a little illustration to help you remember this, what do you think of when you think of the word blend? A smoothie, exactly what I thought of. So, so a banana is good, you know, nice in the morning, quick and easy to eat. Strawberries are good, sweet. Um, but when you blend the two together, how much more refreshing and delicious is the combination of a strawberry banana smoothie? Does that sound good to you guys? <laughs> so how much more powerful will it be if the medical missionary work was combined effectively with the gospel, with the preaching of the gospel? How much more powerful, how much more effective, how much more souls will be reached if we truly see that in action? Um, recently, I came back from a mission trip to Honduras, which I know Jackie was there as well, and some people here, and Alistair. Um, and there we truly saw the blending of medical missionary work with the gospel being preached um, in, in a way that I've never seen before. In the mornings, we would all do construction. We built a school. But then in the afternoon, we had three to four different aspects of medical missionary work going out. We had a physical therapy clinic that was going on at the church where patients would come in and see we had about three to four physical therapists. Um, we also had a lifestyle retreat happening at the school where people would go who had diabetes. They would learn how to cook. All their meals were cooked for them. They had nutritionists talk to them. They had doctors speaking with them. Um, these are people in the community that were coming out to us. Um, then we had door-to-door -door medical teams going out to the village, and that was just so awesome. I was um, able to be a part of that, where you go with your Bible in one hand, your stethoscope around your neck, and you just go up to them and say, is there anything we can do for you? Is there anyone sick in the house? Anyone need their blood pressure checked? And boy, did you see their faces light up. They just brought you into their homes immediately. Um, it's a little different there. You don't do door knocking because there's not really doors and people just sit outside. <laughs> Whole families would just sit outside. Um, but it was just the most wonderful, wonderful experience. And we held an evangelistic meeting as well in the evenings. And usually, you know, when you hold an evangelistic series, the first night, opening night, usually you have the biggest attendance and, you know, so many. And then, and then after, you know, about a week or so, what happens in attendance? It usually, sadly, dwindles down, dwindles off. Um, but there, because of all the medical outreach that was going on, it seemed like it just kept growing. And their our last night was actually one of our largest nights in attendance at the evangelistic campaign. And so you can really see that there's, there's power when we blend medical missionary work in when we present the gospel, because it truly is that opening wedge. That's what it's called. It's called the right arm of the gospel. And what is an arm or the right hand of the gospel? What does an arm or a hand do? 
Will you come to a door? <laughs> it opens it. It opens it. And so that's the purpose of medical missionary work, is to open their hearts so that the gospel can come in. Um, and it's not to be the body. Uh, Spirit of Prophecy warns against that, too. Sometimes we see that all there is going on is medical work, which is great. Um, but if you're not pointing people to the greatest physician of their soul, what, what is the purpose of all of that? And so when we're teaching about New Start and when we're teaching about, you know, plant-based diet and, and all these different things, herbs, you know, we should be leading them to eat the bread of life of Jesus. And when we're teaching about water and drinking eight to ten glasses of water, we should be teaching them as well about the living water where they'll never thirst again. I had an experience of um, my charge nurse. She she is very spiritual. We connected right away. Um, and I often invited her to Bible studies because she was so spiritual and we loved to pray together. But she usually wouldn't come. Um, she would gladly, you know, thank me for the offer, but she was usually busy. Um, but one day we, we held a, a cooking class at our church. Um, this was during the time in her life that her sister recently got diagnosed with cancer. And so she was already um, geared towards changing her lifestyle. She realized that there's um, power in, in what we eat. And so she was already looking into a uh, plant-based diet. She said, Allison, I'm thinking about buying a juicer. And, and we would um, just share recipes and different things that we'd find. And I said, oh, Teresa, you wouldn't believe we have a cooking class coming up based on this very thing. We're going to be talking about juicing. We're going to be talking about raw foods. Um, I know the speakers or the cooks that will be presenting, and it, it's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. And so she came out to that cooking class, um, Teresa, along with some of my other coworkers, and they loved it. They were thrilled. And soon after that, her heart became open to the message. And, and, and then she said, you know, when is that Bible study again that you're telling me about? And she came out to um, our small group Bible studies during the week because her heart was prepared um, by that medical missionary work. So there's that blend that we see of, of, of the medical as well as the gospel. Testimonies Volume 6 says, Medical missionary work is the gospel in illustration. That's one of your quotes. I had an experience recently in medical school where I had a patient come into clinic and the man was coming in because he had some issues that initially seemed to be related to alcohol, excess alcohol intake. And we're going through the physical exam, you know, the history, talking about what brought him in. You know, the nice thing about being in medicine or in medical fields nursing is you have uh, automatic reason to ask people about very personal, intimate things in their life and that really impact their walk with God. And two of those things that you routinely ask as a healthcare provider about smoking and alcohol. So we were talking about these things and I asked him if he smoked and he said, no, he didn't, uh, but he used to. And I said, you know, I'm really glad that you um, stopped, that you quit. That's a really good thing to do. It's never too late to quit. Just saying it was never too late to quit turned his mind to his brother-in-law who still smokes. And he said, you know, my brother-in-law still smokes. And I really like to, to encourage him to quit. And I said, you know, it's never too late for him to quit either. And he said, you know, I'm going to go tell him that my doctor um, told him that he should quit and encourage him to do that. And we talked some more and we said, um, talked about his drinking. And he was kind of in denial about how much he was drinking. And I said, you know, seeing the condition that you have going on, 
um, with your liver, it would be really wise to consider not just drinking occasionally, which is what he said he did, uh, but did not drink at all. And he said, you know, I really think I'm not going to drink anymore. And we talked some more, and he said, you know, I, he has hi hypertension. He was talking about how he really struggles to control his appetite. And I had been really praying that God would teach me how to not just um, tack on spiritual care kind of on the end of my office visits, but how to incorporate it to turn conversations to, to Christ throughout the visit and to um, teach patients how to care for their bodies in a way that honor Christ. And so I said, you know, when we struggle with, with our diet and everything, that Christ will help us to not eat what we shouldn't. And he was really encouraged. And so we kept talking. And towards the end of the visit, I routinely offer with all my patients if they would appreciate me to pray with them. And we prayed together. And then after that, I routinely offer all my patients if they would appreciate me to share something I really enjoy reading. And I share with them the glow tracks, both on New Stuart and on um, Usually I share the one on peace. I also really enjoy the one on where's God when I'm hurting. So I said, here's something I really think you would enjoy reading, the New Start one. It will tell you about some things you can do with your diet, with your exercise. They can help you maybe even be able to reduce the amount of, of medications you have to take for your hypertension. Uh, maybe even completely eliminate that depending on how things go. And he was just really encouraged. He took them and it was very thankful. Uh, and I was just encouraged to see that it's possible, even while you're a student, to blend the spiritual and physical healing, addressing the root cause of disease, which in his case was alcohol, addressing the spiritual need that people have, praying with patients, sharing hope with them. And I found it, I found it very encouraging to um, pray every morning for divine appointments, both with classmates, with patients, uh, with co-workers that God will use me and God will send people your way like this man in my life to pray before you go in and talk to patients to even pray scripture when you talk with patients I've been blessed doing that um, and God will give you many opportunities to share um, he, there's something about starting your day with Christ spending that time with him in the morning, having him be your joy and having that overflow to the patients that you have contact with throughout the day that will really impact your lives, impact the patients. They'll say, you know, there's something different about you and I want to know who you know. And it's out of love for God that we do all these things because it brings us the most joy when we share this joy with others. Um, the next quote you have, I'd like to share it with you because it really impacted me. It's about this blending ministry that we've been talking about, physical and spiritual. It says, so far as possible, it would be well for evangelical workers to learn how to minister to the necessities of the body as well as the soul. For in doing this, they are following the example of Christ. The gospel minister should preach the health principles the Christian physician has a high calling with his full knowledge of the human system and his laws he is in a position to preach the gospel of salvation with much efficiency and power. Here the gospel minister and the Christian physician unite and the Bible worker in her visit from house to house as well. No line is to be drawn between genuine medical missionary work and the gospel ministry. The two must blend. There is an efficiency and power with one who can combine in his influence the work of a physician and a gospel minister. 
Notice that it's talking about medical people doing spiritual care and people that usually do evangelism doing physical care. God's calling us to do these works together in our ministry to others. And another experience I had that just really um, impacted me and showed me how to blend this work is um, an experience I had with a patient that had just been in surgery. They were in um, just after the surgery and in a lot of pain and going through a procedure to reduce their pain. There wasn't really anything I could do medically for them because the rest of the team was doing it. But I thought, you know, this person is in a lot of pain. I'm going to go and just hold their hand. There was something about that that brought comfort to her. And after everyone left, the procedure was done, we started talking and she started sharing. She had metastatic cancer and she was my age, had already had surgery that had misshapen her face. And we were talking about what, what brought her hope and how she kept going and what brought her meaning in life. And she brought out how that her faith in God had been strengthened in this time, that she was actually thankful for being sick because of how she had drawn closer to God through her disease. And I had really been praying that God would teach me how to not just pray with patients, but to actually encourage them with the promises we have in the Bible. And so I was talking with her and I asked her, you know, we, I found out she was a Christian. I said, you know, what promises have you found that brought you hope in your, in your fight with cancer? And she said, you know, there's that verse in Ecclesiastes that said that God will make everything beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. You know, that really did something for me that day, as well as for her to remember the hope that she had in, in Christ and for me to remember how blessed I am and just, just how privileged I am to be able to share that hope with others. And it just reminded me that... Um, we have an opportunity every day to reach out to those around us to share the hope that we have and to blend the physical and spiritual healing. There's a quote here from Christ's Object Lessons that says, there are many from whom hope has departed. Bring back the sunshine to them. Many have lost their courage. Speak to them words of cheer. Pray for them. There are those who need the bread of life. Read to them from the word of God. Upon many is a soul sickness which no earthly balm can, can reach, nor physician heal. Pray for these souls. Bring them to Jesus. Tell them that there is a balm in Gilead and a physician there. I love that quote because it, it outlines exactly what we are to do as medical missionaries. You know, why I love being a medical missionary and working in the medical field is because you are brought into contact with these people face-to-face -face with people who are um, counting their days. I've, I've seen um, people pass in front of my eyes, and what a moment to be at, at their most vulnerable point where you can tell them there is hope, there is a resurrection. When, when, there, when, when the physician tells them there's nothing more that they can do, you can be in that spot to tell them there is something that we can do. And that's why I love medical missionary work. You are brought into those critical moments and you have the opportunity to make an impact for eternity in a few seconds, maybe in a moment, in a minute. Um, that's what God has been teaching me um, as I work as a nurse, that in those critical moments, when a patient is decompensating, I remember one time 
I was resource nurse, meaning you go around and help all the other nurses, and if anything's going bad, you're there. Um, you break all the lunches, and <clears throat> it was early in our day, and I saw some commotion in one of the rooms, and so I went in, and the patient was hunched over, um, lines everywhere on a bunch of medications, and the nurse was just at the bedside saying, we need to call a doctor, and the wife was in the corner, um, just fear all across, written across her face, and horror-stricken. Um, and I'm like, what's going on? And he says, he's just getting worse. He can't breathe. You know, he needs a heart. And, and automatically I remembered, oh, it was this patient. He's waiting for a heart. I work in the cardiac ICU, so all of our patients have very sick hearts. And this patient in particular needed a heart transplant. And he's been there for um, days, weeks now, I believe, and just each day getting worse and worse and more and more medications and more and more lines. Um, he had come to the point where he needed a heart soon. And so we called the doctors and we were, no one knew what to do. We just knew that he needed a heart, but we didn't know when that would be. Um, you can't predict when he would get a heart for his heart, a heart transplant. And so in that moment, God was saying, pray, you need to pray. And so I said, Lord, I'm praying to you right now. <laughs> but he says, no, pray, pray with the family, pray out loud. And um, I, I had yet to establish a relationship with this patient. I had just walked in. And sometimes I like to pray like at the end of my day with them after we've established a nice trusting relationship. Um, but in that moment, God was saying, pray. So in the midst of all the chaos, um, I, I just, um, the wife had come over to the husband's side and was kind of holding him um, as he was leaning on her because he couldn't lay back because he needed to sit up to breathe. Um, and I was just saying, would you like to pray? And they said, yes, please. And so we just held hands, all three of us, and said a prayer. And I don't even remember what I prayed, but in that moment, it felt like time stood still. And there's a peace entered the room that I've never felt before. And we knew that God's presence was there. And after that, you know, I, I prayed promises like what Debbie was saying, very important when you pray with patients to pray scripture, pray promises, pray about the blessed hope that we have in Jesus um, and that Jesus doesn't bring disease, that Jesus is the greatest physician um, because there's a lot of different views, you know, about who God is and God causes illness. So pray hope and, and speak hope to these patients because they need hope and they need, um, they, they need hope and cheer in this time of, of grief and hopelessness. And so after the prayer, you know, once again, things started to do medicines to mix and drips to hang. And so the commotion started again and I had to go. Um, but throughout the day, I would come back in and he, he seemed a little bit better each time. Um, the, the end of the day, he was giving me a thumbs up and he was able to speak, which um, in the beginning of the day, he wasn't able to. And I was just, oh, thank you, Lord. I was, I was really happy to see his progress over that course of the day. Um, and as I was leaving, um, the wife stopped me and she says, wait. And, and I was like, oh, I'm glad I got to see you again because she wasn't in the room when I first went in. And she gave me a big hug and she says, your prayer changed the day. And I was just blown away. I says, what, my prayer like changed the day? And that's the power of prayer and the power of God's word and the power of medical missionary work. When you're a medical missionary, you can change their life, not just here for this time on earth, but for eternity. Um, another verse that I love is Proverbs 17, 22, 
which says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Um, it's so important when, as you're a medical missionary, you're gonna be encountering a lot of, a lot of distress, a lot of despair, um, a lot of disease and sickness is rampant around you. Um, so it's imperative to put on um, the cheerful, put on the joy of the Lord every day to really have that joy and and people can see it around you I've had many people um, the respiratory therapist why are you always smiling or the PCA why are you so happy all the time uh, like we're not supposed to be but and that's an opportunity to witness it's an opportunity to share that the joy of the Lord is my strength um, and that really brings healing is is being that source of joy um, praying with your patients, speaking to them. Um, those are just some little tips that from what we've shared or from what we've experienced that have really helped these patients blending that physical and the spiritual healing. Before I started medical school, I wondered why spend so much time in school? Why should I not just go out and start getting involved in ministry right, right away? And there was a couple things that I came across that I found particularly helpful in this question in my mind. First of all, Jesus is our example. And if you look and see how much time he spent in preparation for his ministry, Desire of Ages says, there are many who dwell with interest upon the period of Jesus's public ministry while they pass unnoticed the teaching of his early years. But it is in his home life that he is the pattern for all children and youth. He was doing God's service just as much when laboring at the carpenter's bench as when working miracles for the multitude. This said to me that God says the, the time you spend in ministry, visible public ministry, in my eyes, when you're studying, when you're reaching out to your peers, your classmates, your patients while you're in school, that's just as valuable in my eyes. You can read in Matthew 25, 20 through 23, where God talks about the talents that he gives us, that he inspects us to invest for his glory. And for me, education is an investment that I can use my, my knowledge, my ability to burn for God, for his glory, and to influence others to serve him. Another major reason that I feel that, that training is valuable in medical evangelism is that ministry isn't something that we're called to just do after we graduate, but God is calling us to be actively involved in soul winning now as students. In Christian Service, page 65, it says, students should take a broad view of their present obligations to God. They are not to look forward to a time after the school term closes when they will do some large work for God, but they should study how during their student life to yoke up with Christ in unselfish service for others. And again, in Prophets and Kings, page 221, the call to place all on the altar of sacrifice comes to each one. We are not all asked to serve as Elisha served, nor are we all bidden to sell everything we have. But God asks us to give his service first place in our lives, to allow no day to pass without doing something to advance his work in the earth. 
God's saying, I have divine appointments for you every single day. The question is, are you open to connecting with me so you can know when that's come? Whether that's with a classmate, with a coworker, with a student, with a whoever, a patient. I have people I want you to minister to wherever you are. And Desire of Ages, page 822, whatever one's calling in life, his first interest should be to win souls for Christ. Whether you're a nurse, a, a doctor, some other healthcare provider, a pastor, God's calling us to blend medical missionary work, physical and spiritual healing to those that we come in contact with and to do that to those surrounding us now. I've had a number of experiences in sharing this as a student that I've been particularly blessed. I feel like since I've been in medical school, I've had more opportunities to witness than I ever did when I was less busy in college or in high school. Um, God's kind of blown me out of the water with that. Um, between college and med school, I um, felt called to teach a summer MCAT review course called MCAT Boot Camp, where we not only prepared people um, academically for medical school, but we had an emphasis on helping them to learn how to care for their bodies, their lifestyle, and spiritually prepare for medical school as well. And I had, I would not have had that opportunity to reach these particular students if I had not had the academic knowledge and the experience going through school to be able to have this program. So I was teaching, and four of my students said that it was the summer they gave their life to Christ. And that was just really powerful to see God working the lives of my students. I had a student that recently came back to me a couple years after the program ran, and he's, he's actually not even of a faith. He's a Christian of another faith. And he said, you know, I remember that worship thought you gave on, uh, actually my brother gave on why to believe in the Bible. And I would like to get your notes because I'm going to preach at my Sunday church and I'm gonna share that message. And it just reminded me that God has places us in a position, even as students, to reach souls for Him. I've also had opportunities with classmates. I had a classmate that came up to me. It was a day I was praying for a divine appointment. Didn't have any class. The only thing I had was a practice exam. And I wasn't really sure how I would have a divine appointment when it seemed like I wasn't really to meet anyone that day. But I was praying despite, and I ran into this girl for the first time. We started talking, and the conversation turned to where we had gone to college, and then to how she wished she had gone to a, a Christian university near where I live, and then to faith, and then to where I go to church and what I believe. And we started talking right before our practice exam about um, her questions about the state of the dead. We talked some about different Bible verses related to that, and then um, I invited her to church, and she actually came. And the conversations continued. Um, she, we talked about devotional life, about diet, about prophecies, about Israel, about the sanctuary, all kinds of different things. Um, and she actually came to me and said, you know, I really would like a devotional book. Do you have any recommendations? I said, oh, yes, I do. Just, just you know, I'll get back to you on that. I brought her a Steps to Christ. And I just, it just really reminded me that God has people, classmates, students, uh, co-workers, um, patients that he wants us to reach. I, I've had um, co-workers that are from residents and, and people that I work with in the hospital now that are from all kinds of different secular universities 
And this may be the only exposure to Christianity. They may not have another way. They may never go to a church. But God put a Buddha on my heart to, um, to cook for them. And I, so I made muffins for them and wrapped up um, Daniel 2 DVDs. And it was actually kind of out of my comfort zone to go and give that to like my resident and my senior resident and my chief resident. Um, but I like wrote little thank you notes and like wrapped it up and get, gave it like as a thank you gift. They were so thrilled. And who knows, like they may in between cases go and watch that DVD and they may be saved. Um, I also had experience where we, I actually met someone on my spring break um, that became an Adventist because of a gold track they had received in the hospital. And it just, we actually had that person come in and speak to my classmates about the power of literature ministry even in the hospital. And it just really reminded me that God works through these things, whether we see the results or not, He asks us to sow seeds for Him. And it's a privilege and a joy. I went to AFCO in the fall of 2010. And, you know, at AFCO, Amazing Facts College Evangelism, you're taught how to be a Bible worker. And so after that, I was ready to be a Bible worker. Um, at AFCO, towards the end of your time there, different conferences come and interview you um, to work in their conference to be a Bible worker. And, and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go out and be a Bible worker for you. And so I signed up and I was interviewed a couple times, but I never felt really at peace about it. And it seemed like the timings weren't right and, um, and that God was just closing the door in that area. And I was, I was really sad because I didn't want to go back to Loma Linda where <laughs> I had come from. You know, we wanted to start new and start afresh. And, um, you know, like many of you from canvassing, you're worried about when you go back home, you know, is it going to be the same and in the same environment? Um, but God is saying, you know, just trust me. And it was actually wonderful when I went back to Loma Linda. Um, I didn't realize that God had already prepared so many people to study the Bible with that I had, I had never done Bible studies before, but um, family members, my sister-in-law's family, I realized were not Christian. She was the only Christian in her family and I had the opportunity, God gave me the opportunity to study with her sister. And it was the most wonderful experience. And some of my cousins who um, wanted to study the Bible as well, just all these different people um, were, were coming up asking me to study the Bible with them. And it was, it was the biggest blessing of my life. I studied the Bible with my sister-in-law's sister, -in -law sister um, Lily, for about almost a year and had the privilege of seeing her enter the waters of baptism through that. And it just thrilled my soul. I, I realized that there is no greater joy or greater bliss, Ellen White says, on this side of heaven than in winning souls to Christ. And so you can be in full-time ministry, whether you're a pastor, a Bible worker, or a nurse, or a student, you know, whatever one's, that quote at the end of your page, whatever one's calling in life, whatever you're doing, your first interest should be to win souls to Christ. And when you have a heart surrendered to the heart of God, when your life is laid out on the altar for him, he will give you those opportunities. But in the medical field, you see it so much more clearly because you meet people at those critical moments of their life, at the most vulnerable moments of their life. And you have that opportunity 
to lead them to Christ at a time of their life when other times they might not be so open. I love being a nurse and I love being a medical missionary because God has allowed me to connect with people I would have never had the opportunity to connect with because sickness crosses all barriers. They're the high and the low, the rich, the poor, the atheist, the preacher, they all get sick. And I've had the opportunity to be at their bedside. And by God's grace, you know, I've prayed with a CEO of a large uh, corporation, or I've prayed with a non-denominational pastor and given him the great controversy. Um, it, and it's been wonderful. I prayed with a young Muslim woman and gave her glow. And the next day she said, I read those through so many times and I've shared them with my family and the other nurses. Um, wonderful, wonderful opportunities that I praise God for that I would, would never have had um, unless I was in that medical setting. Because when, when you're in the medical setting, when you work as Christ worked in reaching the body and, and healing the sick, the people will come to you. You don't even have to go out to knock on doors. They will be coming and knocking on your door saying, what can I do for, the, for this um, illness or I'm sick or um, they will come to you. So it's, it's been the greatest blessing. And I praise God for that, for that opportunity. Um, praise and glory be to God, um, not to myself. So in closing, I pray that something that we've talked about today has struck your heart. I don't know where you are in your, in your Christian walk or where you are in your paths, whether you're thinking about medical missionary work. I believe everybody should be a medical missionary work, but what path to really take? You know, there's a lot of different options that you can do. Um, there's medical missionary training schools like Wildwood and Health, which is a new one at Weimar, or UT Pines, these different ones. Um, or you can go into more formal education and, and become a nurse or become a doctor. But I challenge every single one of you that you should be a medical missionary, whatever you're calling. It's, a, it's this concept of preachers healing the sick and, and physicians preaching the word um, that Ellen White talks about over and over again, the blending of the gospel work with medical missionary work. So I just want to invite you guys to bow your heads. I want to make an appeal. And I just want to ask for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and if you feel that God has been calling you to dedicate your life to um, combining the me medical ministry of physical and spiritual healing like Christ did, I would ask that um, you would raise your hand in commitment to doing that. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your love for us, for saving our souls and our and having a plan for healing our bodies. And I just want to ask that you'd seal these decisions, that you guide these young people on how they should combine medical evangelism, ministering to the physical and spiritual needs of the body and the soul. Father, please draw us closer to you. Fill us with your love and your joy so that that overflows through our lives to those that we come in contact with. So they see us and see you in us, not us ourselves. I want to thank you so much for hearing our prayer, for granting us this privilege of sharing you with others. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio, and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.